So, guy, I want to pray for you before we go, and then we can launch off. Father, we want to thank you for this brother that loves you earnestly, that he loves you deeply, that all things aside, his heart just desires to know you that I've seen in convos. Father, we just pray for your presence and your life upon the word that you speak to him. Amen. Wow, that was embarrassing. Um, in response to that, I just want to say the main thing God has taught me over the last while, and this is serious, so don't, don't, don't laugh when I give the punchline, please, is that um, apart from him, I can do nothing. It's been a wonderful, it's taken me 40 years to learn it, um, and I really am so convinced of that. So... Praise God that he still uses people who can give nothing out of themselves. Um, today, I'm speaking on inheritance, um, and uh, some of you, like me, might, if you've been a Christian for a while, will think, oh, hello, Craig, um, will think uh, inheritance, there'll be a little filing cabinet for that. It'll, like, have some star stickers on, you know, like, nice decorations. That's a happy word. You'll open it up. And there's not much inside, actually. It's like a fuzzy word. Once you try and click on it, well, why is inheritance a good thing? I'm pretty sure that's good news. You open it. Oh, I'm not sure really how to, how to grasp that. It doesn't really actually motivate me or fill me with anything, uh, with anything concrete. And so I'm hoping to, I've only got, you know, two hours, so it's not long enough to give everything, but I'll um, but I hope to uh, just lay some foundations, maybe give you something concrete enough to work with um, after today. I'm going to say five things today. I'm going to say that inheritance is a present reality, uh, that it is a shareholding in the family business. I do have some slides, but they don't seem to be happening. The invisible slide operator is not there, so that's fine. Um, Load shedding anyway. Well, there you go. How's that timing? Um, it's a present reality. It's a shareholding in the family business. It's access to bottomless resources. It's knowing the father and it's knowing the son. Um, so that's quite a lot to cover. So I'm not going to dwell too much on everything, if that's okay. The scripture, as always, we're in this um, uh, series on identity. We've been going through Ephesians 1, the kind of uh, launching scripture is from Ephesians 1 verse 11. It says, in him we have obtained an inheritance. Um, so that speaks to my point that it's a present reality. There's something that Paul thought we've already got. And funnily enough, three verses later, he says about the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. It's quite strange. It's not in two different books. He's not thinking about totally different concepts. He's speaking about inheritance, and he can say in the same breath, in the same sentence, we've acquired it, and there's something to come that the Holy Spirit uh, affirms for us is coming. Don't worry, it's really coming. Um, another key scripture on inheritance is from Romans chapter 8. It says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. Again, speaking about the role of the Spirit um, in bringing this home to us, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him 
in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Um, So there's this idea that the inheritance that we have comes not as a, it's not like um, when you have an aunt that you didn't know about and she dies and you get a letter in the mail, don't answer that letter, it's a scam um, that says you've won $10 million, you know, no relationship, um, kind of not even any clue that it was coming and then one day it drops to you. This comes because we've been grafted into a family. It says because we've been made children, because we are with Christ, we come into the kind of airship that Christ has and has always had. Um, and then in the face of the sufferings of life, the hardship of life, what, whatever inheritance is, it's not gonna wipe away your hardship. That's the bad news. But in the face of that hardship, Paul finds it so motivating that he says the, the, the hardships, the sufferings, it's, it's, it's not even worth comparing to the glory that's to be revealed. And honestly, when I started meditating on this topic, I, I don't think I can say that. I don't actually find the concept of an inheritance that motivating, that when the sufferings really hit, they're like, ah, oh, this is nothing. I don't know about you. Maybe you guys are all just sailing through life, so motivated by your coming inheritance. So I'm hoping to address some of that. Um, I'm gonna spend more, because of that dynamic, I wanna spend more time on what inheritance means for me now. And it does, it is in the same direction as what it means for me forever, so that's all right. But that's the kind of key thing I wanna bring home today. So let me move on to my next point, um, is that it is a shareholding in the family business. In my family culture, kind of how I've grown, and maybe this happens if you're not growing up in like a super wealthy family, um, is that the idea of inheritance is a bit of an ambivalent one in that it's a nice thought that one day you're gonna get a big lump sum of money, um, but it's like the run-up prize to your parents dying it's actually quite a negative thing. Your, your parents go, and it's like, I'm so sorry. But the good news is, you're loaded. Um, so I actually, you know, that for me, um, we do this often with scripture. We've got an idea of what something means. And then scripture uses a word that connects with that idea. And so we put that idea into scripture. And I don't think that's the concept that Paul had in mind when he speaks of inheritance good news. Um, and so there are a couple of things that are, that are wrong with that, um, with that concept. There's this idea, firstly, in that concept that it's a no-strings-attached transfer of, of cash, of money, of stuff, that then it's someone else's legacy. They built up a legacy, and then that becomes your excuse to not really need to build up a legacy, it becomes your kind of take the pressure valve off on life. Uh, you've got some money that you can do with as you wish. And so it's, kind of, it's, it's a weird concept. It's inherently a little bit selfish. Um, it's quite transactional. Um, and it's not at all what the Bible has in mind. What the Bible has more in mind uh, links to the cultural context that Paul was in where You've got um, a kind of patriarchal Roman society, and the guy at the top, the, uh, the sort of patriarch of the family, 
the paterfamilias. He is the person responsible for everyone in his kind of immediate and extended family and a whole ecosystem of hangers-on around that. It's a whole ecosystem of people who are loyal to this family and who this family looks out for through trade, through assistance, etc. And so there's a whole kind of trickle down of wealth and blessing that this uh, father is, is, is uh, responsible for. And being a son and an heir means that you are in the family business, representing the father of that family. When you go out to trade, you go out representing that family. You go out in the family's interests, uh, but you also go out with the family's resources at your disposal. When you make a deal with someone, I'm going to pay you, you know, a million rand next week for that shipment. They believe you because you're representing the father and you're about the family's business and you carry that um, authority of the father. And if you're sort of thinking forward to the, to the kind of inheritance moment, what all that that would mean is that you would take a different role in the family business. The family business continues. You take over both resources and responsibility. You take over a thing that is building, a thing that has a purpose beyond itself. It's looking after a community around it. And so you never have this concept that this is my one-day payday. Uh, it's a responsibility, but also a privilege that you get to have this privileged role within the family representing it. Um, and if you think about kind of what it would look like to grow in your inheritance in a family, if you're a kid in a family, it would mean growing in your responsibility in that family. Growing in the things that your dad trusts you with. Um, and actually, if you think of uh, one or two of Jesus' parables where he carries an idea of, of entrusting people with something, you know, the kind of the talent stories. He tells these stories of giving people something, then, they, then the, the, the kind of patriarch goes away. He comes back. Some people have basically squandered it. Other people have done well with it. Those who've done well with it don't get a payday. They don't get a bonus. They get more responsibility. He says, ah, okay, you can be responsible for 10 cities. You, responsible for five cities. He actually increases and multiplies their responsibility. So the, the kind of kernel of this idea is that coming into a co-heirship with Jesus or an inheritance means something today. It means I benefit from it today. I have access to the family bank account when I'm on my family business. I lack for nothing today, but because I have an owner's mindset, I don't see that as a reason to slack off and benefit. I see that as uh, adequate resourcing for all that God is calling me to. And I'm looking to build it up. Yes, I might need to draw down, I might need to take that million rand, but because I think I can convert that million to two million. Does that make sense? So I'm not shy to use what's in the bank account because I know that I'm looking to build up that bank account. And maybe for us in our kind of modern day, the, the idea of a shareholding is maybe lands better than the idea of an inheritance. That I'm a shareholder in this, but it's a family business, in this family business. And uh, who's a shareholder here of a business? Anyone? Wow, quite a few. 
imagine your mindset is quite different from when you were an employee at some point. It's so shifting being a shareholder of something that you're working in as opposed to being um, an employee. And uh, I wanna kind of double click on, on something I mentioned there, this access to resources. The third point I wanted to make is that we have access to bottomless resources. Um, a few verses later in Ephesians, it really is just three verses down, Paul says that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. So linking to this concept of inheritance, uh, firstly, it's blurred the lines. Okay, hang on, what is the inheritance? The inheritance is somehow us, the God's inheritance in the saints. <laughs> so there's something about what, is, what God's looking at here today, which is his uh, enterprise. The enterprise of God is to build up, restore, rescue, and, uh, and, and kind of grow into all their glory and goodness, the people that he's created. And um, linked to that concept, Paul says we have access to the immeasurable riches of God's power. The unending riches of God's power. Um, this week, I was just saying to Roger, God's so good. Eh? He gave me... Um, uh, a little window into this, just this week at dinner. I was at dinner with some colleagues, um, and one of the guys is like two years out of varsity, and he was talking about his rich friend. He's got one rich friend, you know. He's like, ah, oh, this guy. And you can just see that when people, I can't believe that some people live like this. <laughs> and some people were lucky enough to be uh, that guy. But anyway, he happens to have a rich friend. He was quite, quite excited to, to tell us about this guy. Um, and what was interesting in hearing his stories of this, this guy who he went to varsity with is that his friends is not rich at all. His dad is rich. <laughs> but here's the thing, in David's eyes, I mean Diervold's eyes, not Diervold's eyes, his friend is rich. Because anything that the friend wants to do, he has the resources for. So at 21, he was CEO of a startup company doing genetic testing. What does he know about genetic testing? Zero. What does he know about being a CEO? Zero. But his dad said, hey, let me give you this responsibility. And he had the full resources to build up this company. And he did that for two years. Now, he's in Hungary studying something. Actually, what he's studying is irrelevant because the reason he's studying in Hungary is to get EU passports for the family. That's the long-term game. And he says, ah, oh, no, and then there they are in Hungary. And then the next thing, they're off on a hunting trip with the minister, with the prime minister of Hungary. So he's, you know, living this best life out there in Hungary, connected to the rich and famous, doing amazing, having amazing experiences. Why? Because he's about his dad's business. He's connected to his dad. His dad has money. His dad has vision. Can you see how what he's doing is advancing the cause of the family? He's actually taking one for the team. But he's doing it with 
access to unlimited resources. And so that's what it's like for us. We don't have to be wealthy. We don't have to be powerful. But our dad is wealthy and powerful. And so when I'm on the family business, I have access to unlimited resources of power and wisdom and finances and coincidences. I have complete access. I, ha I have to worry about nothing except my mouth getting dry. <laughs> I want to um, spend a little bit of time bringing home some of these points and some other points in the story of the prodigal son. Um, the story of the prodigal son is actually the story of two sons. Jesus says, in continuation of a theme that he's on about how much God loves and desires the lost. Um, he says, there was once a man who had two sons. The first son um, said to his dad, give me a share of the wealth. I can see there's wealth. And because I'm young and foolish, this is in brackets, <laughs> you know, this is uh, between the lines. Because I'm young and foolish, I actually, I think that that wealth um, is good in and of itself. And so give it to me. And he goes out and he does a little experiment. What happens when you take wealth outside of the authority and leadership of the father and you try and enjoy it as its own good thing? What happens? It gets, it totally dissipates. And he becomes actually dis. Uh, this, this guy in despair with no more wealth and with no idea how he, he's got to the position he's in. He eventually comes to his senses and he thinks, gosh, I'm going to go back to my dad. I, I've got a long apology set up. He's got this thing written down. And, uh, and as he approaches the father, the father is standing, wait, just wait, waiting, longing for his son to come to his senses one day and come home. Not bitter about losing his wealth doesn't really tell that story, but the father never focuses on what he's lost because of that. He is just so amped to get his son back as a son. He won't let him tell him, dad, I'm just going to be a hired servant. That was his plan. I'll just come and be a servant. Those guys at least eat three times a day. And he says, and he welcomes in, him in as a son and throws a big party. And then the second son enters the story. While um, the party's going on, the second son comes back. He speaks to one of the servants. What is going on? Your brother's back. Good news. <laughs> you know. You've got to be kidding me. That little schmuck. And there's a party going on. And your dad slaughtered the fattened calf. You know, the guy is miffed. So he stays outside, grumpy, and uh, the father comes out from the party. Oh, son, what's up? <laughs> and this guy's also prepared a speech. How long has this been bubbling inside his heart? How long has this been bubbling? This bitterness has been bubbling inside his heart. Dad, I've been slaving away for you for all these years. 
all this time doing everything you asked me, you never even gave me a goat to celebrate with my friends. And you can just imagine the pain in the father's heart as he says, but you're always with me and everything I have is yours. Everything we have is yours. What are you even talking about? The son had been working for his father all those years, not realizing that it was all his already. He was also working for a payday one day. He also thought that the enjoyment, the joy of life was in the stuff. And he didn't realize that the stuff came with the father and the joy was in the father. And the young son had realized that. The young son had connected with the heart of who his father really was. Unbelievably loving and gracious and generous to a fault, certainly in the eyes of the older son to a fault. So we see in these two sons that the inheritance, the idea of an inheritance without the father's leadership is decay and despair. And, uh, and yet the father without the inheritance is disappointment and bitterness. Um, and I think, you know, the kind of, these kind of caricatures are maybe the young son is like all of us started out at least, and maybe some who are here today who have taken the stuff that God has at his disposal, the goodness of life, our health, our intelligence, our relationships, our opportunities, our skills, our abilities, and have cut and run. And we're out there in the world trying to make a good go of this life with the good stuff that we got from the Father. And um, for most people, maybe all, I don't know, I don't know inside everybody's head, certainly those who are the young son returning, this is everyone's experience, that eventually um, you realize how empty that is and that there is something missing. What is missing? Why can't I spend this stuff to my joy? Why can't I take my life, this, all that is, constitutes my life, and use it in my own wisdom and become joyful? I can't do it. And for many people, many here today have come to their senses at some point and have come back to the Father. But many um, also who are here, I don't know, many, some, maybe none who are here, certainly many, I think, who are in a religious space are like the older son who are committed to the work of the father, committed to the leadership of the father, um, but haven't connected with the heart of the father and have been doing this stuff for a payday one day, for a heavenly payday one day, and are growing bitter <laughs> every day. And you must be wondering, what if there's no payday? <laughs> Is this all worth it? 
Well, the best way to know that there's a payday is if you go to the bank and you put in your card and you try the pin and out comes a million bucks. Then you know there's money in the bank. And I think for many of us who have gotten to that space, God wants us to connect back with Him and to learn how to start drawing from the bank account today. To learn to start getting out there on the mission of the family without a concern for whether the resources will follow. And this thing of, for both of them, needing to connect to the true father in order to discover the riches of his wealth and their inheritance and their heirship um, is captured for me in a, in a final scripture in John 17, uh, or firstly, a few, twice in Luke, someone comes to Jesus and asks him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So there's a link between inheritance and eternal life. Certainly in the Jewish mind, the thought of the true thing worth inheriting, the, the, the sort of substance of what we are inheriting is some nebulous concept of eternal life. And Jesus in John 17 says, this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And so knowing him is both the substance and the doorway to the riches of our inheritance. And so is knowing the son. The son is like the older son that should have been in that parable. Jesus is the older son that should have been. When he saw us going off on our own mission, taking what the father has given us without a thanks um, to go and spend it on our own pleasures and desires and intentions. Instead of waiting at home, making sure that he didn't lose any more of the father's inheritance, Jesus left the father to find us. He did what the older son should have done. He should have gone out to find the younger son. Say, come back, I want you part of the family. I want you part of the team. Oh, but I've blown mine. It doesn't matter, we'll make more. It doesn't matter. Our father is such a great businessman. What you've squandered, we've already made back. Come, together we'll make even more. And Jesus reaches out to find us. He doesn't hold against us all that we've done to squander the good things of the Father. And he relishes the chance to bring us in as co-heirs. So maybe there's some here today who are in that place, who have been out there um, with the stuff that you've had in life, finding that it doesn't work. And this morning, as I spoke about Jesus coming and rescuing, something in you says, Jesus is coming for me today. That's for me. And it is for you. And many here, look around, there are all sorts of ordinary people here have had the experience of Jesus connecting them back to the true heart of the Father. Because some of you, for good reason, have left the Father, the true God. Because you've left the untrue God. 
Jesus says, I want you to know the true God. And many of us have validly run away from the untrue God because he's not good news. The God that we sometimes have been taught to think about or the God that uh, we have interpolated or interpreted through our experiences is not good. And Jesus wants you to meet the true God. The God is like this parable father, full of love and joy and generosity and kindness and forgiveness and giving dignity, restoring dignity to someone who had gone to the depths of depravity, restoring dignity and position and potential. And God wants to bring you into his family business. And for those of us who are in the family business, God wants you to get off your butt and start believing that God has something for me to do on this family business. He has a mission for me. He has resources for me and he has himself for me. I don't have to get out there and do it on my own. I'm connected to the Father. I'm connected to the Father's resources. And everything that I put in is multiplied. And everything that I keep out wastes away. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that you've brought us into something, <laughs> this incredible thing that you call a mystery hidden for ages and generations. And it's for now, it's for our lives now. It's not a trick to keep us towing the line till we die. It is a kingdom that is fully resourced, that is moving, that is connected to the Father who is a God of unbelievable love. Thank you that we have a share in this family business and that all of us together are shareholders. Thank you that we have unlimited resources as we go about your business. Thank you that we have unlimited access to you, our true Father, and teach us who you are, God. Show us who you really are. And thank you, Jesus, that you rescue us. Some of us in a big way once, but for all of us, again and again, you keep coming to find the wayward sons and daughters who are going a little wobbly as we try to be about the Father's business in our own wisdom. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that our big brother never loses the plot, never loses compassion, never tires of coming beside us and helping us. I pray for those this morning, Jesus, who want to be rescued, who want to be brought into this family of love and potential. I thank you for them. Thank you that they are uh, the apple of your eye. You love them so much. If anyone wants to actually respond to that now, would you put up a hand and I can pray with you? If anyone wants to reach out and take the hand of Jesus that rescues them today, I see that hand, thank you. I see that hand, thank you. Anyone else? Maybe pray this prayer after me. Jesus, thank you for bringing me to this place. I surrender. Please bring me into the kingdom of God. Bring me into the family of God. 
wash away my sin as I cross over into your family. I determined to trust you. And I wanna know you and the Father and what you have for my life. Amen.